And Love good morning, Good morning. It is Sunday morning, 9 a.m. If you're listening live, and if you're listening to the podcast, it's whatever time you're listening. Uh, my name is Douglas B. Gibbs. This is Constitution Study Radio. Once again, uh, having difficulty with the um, with the opening promo music, so we're going to have to skip it and just start talking. But anyway, welcome to the program. It's great to have you. What we do here is we work our way through the Constitution bit by bit, piece by piece, and uh, hopefully uh, after it's all over, you've learned something. I have uh, been studying the Constitution my entire life. I have three books out there, uh, 25 Myths of the United States Constitution, the Basic Constitution, and then my uh, Labor of Love, Silence to Screams, Abortion in a Virtuous Society. And in that book, I actually looked at the issue of abortion in two of the chapters from the uh, from a constitutional point of view. The uh, Constitution was written to create a new government because the old government under the Articles of Confederation wasn't doing the job. We needed a larger, stronger government. But the problem is with larger, stronger governments is they become tyrannies. So the founding fathers had to figure out a way to create a government that was larger and stronger without it necessarily having the potential of becoming a tyranny or at least putting some safeguards against it so that it would be more difficult for it to become a tyranny. The way they designed the system was that it would be limited. It limited only to the authorities granted to it. The preamble is the first part of it. It begins with the words, we the people, we the people of the United States. And the preamble is an introduction. It is not legally binding. As an introduction, it introduces uh, who wrote this contract. The Constitution is a, a social contract. Who wrote the contract? Why was it written? What were the reasons? And and specifically for what reasons, uh, for for whom, for what, and why. The preamble is sort of like that um, sheet that you uh, sign at the uh, doctor's office, you know, that gives the doctor, grant, grants him the authorities. It says, who, what you know, who, who is who, who the authorities are and, and, and why and all that. Well, let me, let's do it this way. Let me, first of all, give you the preamble. You know, it's funny because as a child, uh, the preamble was uh, something that I learned through something called Schoolhouse Rock, and for years I couldn't I couldn't recite it without singing it. But uh, anyway, here's the preamble. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The preamble is the introduction of the U.S. Constitution. Once again, it's not legally binding. Uh, the uh, opening paragraph of the founding document holds no legal authority whatsoever. The actual legal authority starts with Article One, Section 1. The preamble, once again, is establishing who is granting the authority creating the new government, the new federal government, and the reasons for that decision. We, the people of the United States, are the grantors. And as we talked about last week, we, the people, comes from British history, really. Uh, when you go back to the Magna Carta and the Declaration of Rights, and specifically the Declaration of Rights of 1689, following the Glorious Revolution in 1688, the barons uh, began their documents, uh, we, the barons. Then they realized that uh, it really shouldn't only apply to them, but to all Brits. And so be, so they it was changed to... Uh, any freeman, and any freeman meant all Englishmen. 
Well, any Freeman was adjusted to we the people. So we've got we the people of the United States. They're the grantors. They are granting these powers to this new federal government. In other words, the states, which are the embodiment of the people, were creating the new federal government and granting authorities to it so that it might may function in a manner necessary to protect, promote, and preserve the union of states. And this concept is known as federalism. So the states are the are, are the creators of the Constitution, us through our states, and the states are going to give up ways to design. The states give up a few of their authorities in order for the federal government to properly function. Because you have to understand that prior to the Constitution, the states held all authority. They had what was called original authority. They held every single authority for everything, every issue, and they each handled them differently. This sovereignty of the states was a concept that did not want that the founding fathers did not want to be lost. But at the same time, they re, they realized that there were going to be some of those powers that need to be consolidated into a central government in order for the union to survive. So as much as the states wanted to have their own say on everything, some of these issues, some of these external issues, needed to be handled by a central authority. The preamble uh, is the introduction to that, and it lists the reasons for this. But the preamble is designed sort of like, as I mentioned earlier, like a permission form from uh, the doctor's office, which in which he may present to you to sign, you know, giving the authority, doctor authority to perform necessary procedures on your body in order to make you well. So the form begins with, you know, your name, I, patient's name, and then limits the doctor to only the procedures necessary to make you well. The doctor, if he or she believes additional procedures may be necessary, must ask for your permission before performing the additional procedures that are not granted by your original agreement with them. So the, the Constitution grants authorities. If, if the federal government wants more authorities, they must ask the creators of the Constitution for those additional authorities, just like the doctor would have to ask you if it was okay for them to perform additional procedures. In the, in the Constitution, that's called an amendment process. Now, when it comes to the preamble, like the form in your doctor's office, the preamble begins with who is granting the authorities. We, the people of the United States, are the grantors of the authorities given to the new federal government. Allow the federal government to exist and to perform the procedures expressly granted in the United States Constitution. Now, if now another way I like to put it, this is a, and uh, I, a lot of you may have heard me say this before and, and use this example. This is uh, a, a, an antidote that I like to use often. Um, let, let's say uh, you want to build a uh, an, an addition, a room to your home. And by the way, I apologize to those of you listening live. The, uh, the chat room just keeps spinning and spinning. And it never opens. But uh, anyway, all right. So let's say the, the as a homeowner, you hire this contractor to add a room to your house, and 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 a contract is created between you, the homeowner, and the contractor, the company hired to do the work. Now the contract establishes the granted authorities to the construction company regarding the room addition. You know, list of materials, labor necessary, proper, you know, necessary and proper to carry out that task. How high the ceiling is going to be, how big the room is going to be, what kind of lumber to use, bolts, so on and so forth. 
if later, after the work begins, the homeowner observes the workers tending to the garden or mowing the lawn or sweeping the lot or playing in the gutter, and the homeowner would be angry because, or at you as homeowner, you'd be angry because the lawn maintenance was not among the authorities granted to the contractor who had been hired to, well, provide the service of adding a room to your house. In the same way, through the Constitution, the federal government has been granted a list of authorities that are necessary and proper for it to carry out the task vested in it. And let's say you go to lunch, you come back, and you know you see them doing all your yard work and sweeping your lock and cleaning your gutter. You're like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. The contract says that the authorities granted to you are to add this room. And he says, well, you know, the supervisor says, well, you know, we've uh, studied the, the contract and and uh, we've interpreted it to say that we can do all these things. And we're going to charge you extra for it, you know, an extra $40,000. And there's nothing you can do about it because our lawyers, you know, tell us, hey, you're on the up and up. That's totally legal. You're good. So sorry. There's nothing you can do about it. Deal with it. And, of course, at that point you say, well, okay, right? No, of course not. Because you know what the contract says. You understand the language in the contract and why it was written the way it was written. So here we come, federal government, U.S. Constitution, there's the contract. And and uh, uh, we've got this federal government coming along, and we say, and we say, okay, here's your here's your duties, here's what we want you to do, and then you you, know, you look away for a while, you come back, and they're doing all these unconstitutional things that they were never authorized to do, and you say, hey, what are you doing? I didn't hire you to handle marriage and and medical procedures and education. That's 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 for us to handle locally, and none of your business. And they say, well, you know, we've interpreted this contract to say that we can do all these things. And we're going to charge you extra through it, through taxes. And our lawyers, you know, the federal court system, through judicial review, says, hey, that's the way it is. We don't like it tough. So, you know, I don't know what to say. And, of course, at that point you say, uh, okay, no. You're just supposed to know what the contract says. So that brings us back to the reason why we do this show. So here we get so so here we go. We get we got these tasks related to protecting and preserving the Constitution, while also respecting the promoting the state sovereignty. That's what that's what the federal government was created for. They were, they were granted a list of authorities that are that are necessary and proper to carry out the tasks vested in it. Federal government's authorities encompass only the external issues necessary to protect the union and the sovereignty of the state. Internal issues are not granted to the federal government. None of their business. It's up to the states. Local governments will take care of local issues. First three words of the preamble is we the people. Often these people believe that we are a democracy. Taken in context, first part of the preamble is not only we the people, but we the people of the United States. In the context of the original intent, the people of these states that are united have come together to establish this contract for the following reasons. We the people are the people of these states. These states are have come together to be united, but we need the central government. So we're going to create this contract to handle the external issues to protect the union. But inside the state, still, everything's the state's business. None of this government's business what happens inside the state. It's not there to control the states. It's there to protect them. The words United States appear often in the United States Constitution. These 
when, when those words appear in the text of the Constitution, they mean one of two things normally. Either uh, United States is a reference to the new federal government, or United States means these states that are united. And in the case of the preamble, both definitions are used. As we notice, first time United States appears in the Declaration of Independence, United is not capitalized. Failing to capitalize United in the Declaration of Independence was a reflection of the common opinion of the people of that era. America is not supposed to be a nationalistic country dominated by a powerful government. It's a union of states that are sovereign, autonomous, and individual, just like the people. We, the people, are the individual parts of their states, and the states are the individual parts of the union. States are supposed to be different, unique, sovereign, individualistic, because that's the way the system was set up. That's who we are, and that's who our states are supposed to be. And early Americans uh, didn't consider themselves Americans any, uh, anyway. They saw themselves as New Yorkers, Pennsylvanians, Virginians. They were citizens of their state. And then the states were united to, in a larger body for the purpose of protection. Early Americans saw the United States in the plural rather than the singular nationalistic entity. And the individual states would only be safe if they all worked together as a united country. To ensure the union was protected, they proposed forming a central government through a social contract called the United States Constitution. This contract to grant limited authorities to a federal government was designed to ensure that the federal government remained limited so as to not infringe on the individual rights of the sovereign states and the people who resided in those states. A limited government is the essence of liberty. The reasons listed in the preamble for forming the new government were and are in order to form a more perfect union. That's number one. Number two would be establish justice. Number three, ensure domestic tranquility. Four, provide for the common defense. Five, promote the general welfare and Six, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. In line with classical writing standards, these reasons were listed in order of importance. The most important reason for the formation of the federal government, the main purpose for the creation of the U.S. Constitution, was in order to form a more perfect union. A union already existed under the Articles of Confederation. And Confederation, however, is a weak form of government, is the way I like to put it. Under the Articles of Confederation, the problem is we had this lamb. And when dealing with our enemies and dealing with certain issues, what we needed was a lion. Here's the problem. Lions eat you. So how do you create this lion but keep it from eating you? You restrain it. You put it in a cage. You put shackles on its ankles. Constitution. In a a confederation, uh, Nearly all the power remains with the individual members. Confederation is an association of sovereign member states that by treaty and other agreement have declared that they're going to work together. They've delegated some of the powers to a common institution in order to coordinate policies without constituting a new state on top of the member states. So the government under the Articles of Confederation was formed hastily during the Revolutionary War because they needed a uniting factor, something to be working towards. But when Shays' Rebellion happened in 1786, it revealed how weak the government really is. The 
the war veterans from the Revolutionary War were pretty upset because the paper money that they had been paid for their service had been was pretty much worthless. It was fiat money because the money had been overprinted. There wasn't value in the system, so on and so forth. You'd think we'd have learned by now. So you got these veterans from the Revolutionary War saying, hey, we can't pay our debts with this cheap money. Now we got these creditors still knocking on our doors. They're taking it to court. We ain't going to pay it. And so this insurrection grew. And the and these uh, Revolutionary War veterans wound up getting to the point where they were blocked in the steps of courts and all that to you know, keep from having to pay for this ridiculous, you know, the, the, the pay for their bills with this ridiculous money. It, it wasn't possible. It wasn't worth enough. Well, they couldn't call the the government couldn't call the militia up to take care of us because well guess what they were those people protesting were the militia and the government was too weak to bring up an army and pay it and tax for it they couldn't do it so the boston the merchants in boston wound up uh creating a mercenary force to come in and take down these veterans so in the annapolis convention in 1786 uh as this Shay's Rebellion was getting worse and worse. The delegates said, okay, we need to fix this. So they set up a time in May of 1787 that there would there would be a convention of all the states, which would become a federal convention in 1787. All of the states, however, did not attend. Rhode Island refused to show up. They were so upset about the formation of a larger government. And there were other states that had delegates there, but they were also very upset with this idea the larger government. Of course, they went with the idea that they were going to fix the uh, the um, Articles of Confederation, but what wound up happening is a whole new constitution was written. In the constitution, the authorities granted to the federal government are limited to protecting, preserving, and promoting the union. The federal government, through the express powers granted in the constitution, was granted authorities including but not limited to maintaining an army and navy in order to protect the union to collect taxes in order to pay for that military and other necessary functions created for the purpose of preserving the union, to regulate commerce by acting as a mediator between the states so that the flow of commerce flows regularly and in good order so as to encourage a growing economy for the union, establish a uniform rule of naturalization for the purpose of ensuring the union grows through legal immigration and to establish post offices so that many parts of the union may remain in contact with each other. The federal government was created for the sake of the issues related to the union. The federal government was not created to manage local issues that have nothing to do with the union. That's up to the states. You know, Local issues have everything to do with like unique cultures and societal needs of the local communities. None of the federal government's business, none of the central government's business. That's up to the local governments. So the second reason that so so that first reason that's to, in order to form a more perfect union it has to do with the Articles of Confederation. There was already a union under the Articles, a more perfect union under the Constitution. The second reason listed in the preamble is for the creation of the federal government through the ratification of the U.S. Constitution was to establish as used. Um, here and, and uh, what it does is it makes us think. So the word established means what? Something didn't exist prior, right? So the word established is being used in the preamble 
in this manner leads us to believe that there was no justice prior to the writing and founding document. However, justice systems did already exist in each of the states through the state court systems. Therefore, the U.S. Constitution was not written to establish justice in the states, but to establish justice at the federal level where a judicial system had not previously existed. The language used in the Constitution in this case provides us with a clue that the original intent of the founding fathers was for the Constitution to apply only to the federal government unless it specifically states otherwise, because this was to create a federal government in the first place. That's what this document's about. Now, although established justice is listed in the list of reasons for creating the federal government, we must not confuse the importance with power. To establish justice was a very important reason for creating a federal government, but the federal court system, for fear of it becoming a powerful judicial oligarchy, was also greatly limited. During the debates of the Constitutional Convention in 1787, there was actually a reconsideration to not establish, or I'm sorry, not reconsider, there was actually a consideration to not establish a federal court system. The delegates realized that tyranny easily flows through an activist judiciary. The rule of law could be easily compromised by a judicial branch not willing to abide by the original intent of the U.S. Constitution. What, if, what happens if the courts are poisoned by political ideology? For this reason, the powers of the judicial branch are, are supposed to be greatly limited, and they are greatly li limited by the Constitution. We'll go into more detail regarding those limitations when we get to Article 3 and the 11th Amendment. So the first two reasons for writing the U.S. Constitution according to the preamble were to form a more perfect union through the formation of the federal government and to establish justice by creating a federal judicial system. These primary goals revealed to us that the Constitution was not written to grant powers to the states or for the purpose of creating yet limiting a newly formed federal government, which was – hang on a second. Let me back up. The goals were not to grant powers to the states but to create a federal government designed to serve the states by protecting them, preserving the union they enjoyed, and so forth. Remember, the states delegated some of their own powers to the federal government through the Constitution. All of those powers belonged to the states prior to the Constitution, remember? Original authority, remember I was talking about that earlier. Well, the states only granted some of their powers to the federal government, not all of them, retaining most of the powers for themselves. So the U.S. Constitution, all language within the document, is directed to the federal government, not to the states. The states essentially hired the federal government to protect and preserve the union. The, the contract that authorizes the federal government to exist and receive the authorities from the states is the U.S. Constitution. Therefore, it would not be reasonable to assume that the provisions of the Constitution are not, are not to be applied to the states as much as it would be not logical to believe that any, an agreement between you and I or your doctor tells you that you can or can't do regarding the procedures that are about to be performed on you. The agreement with the doctor is specifically designed to tell the doctor what procedures are allowed. The Constitution was specifically written to tell the federal government what authorities it is allowed to have. In that contract with the doctor, there may have been instructions to tell you what not to do as, as to not undermine healing, such as submersing oneself in water before a wound is fully healed. The same is true in the Constitution. There is a section, Article 1, Section 10, that tells the states that they are what they are prohibited from doing. Not because the Constitution is, was designed to tell the states what they can and can't do, 
but so that they would not do things that could get in the way of the tasks necessary for the federal government to properly function. Since it is we, the people of the United States, who granted the federal government its powers, that means that it is people's responsibility to the states, our responsibility to ensure the federal government acts in a constitutional manner. It's our job to make sure they behave. Constitution is no more, nothing more than ink and paper if we don't fight for it. The union at the time of the writing of the Constitution was fragile. The states as colonies or as individual states shortly after the American Revolution did not always coexist in a mutually beneficial manner. The states enjoyed their own unique cultures, religions, and laws. The states clashed over territory, commerce, and a variety of other issues that often included disputed legal issues and definitions. States were much like siblings, fighting over everything under the sun. And when it came down to brass tacks, they were united when it came to defending each other. The bickering between the states created an atmosphere that placed the cohesion of the union at risk. Therefore, when it came to creating a more perfect union, it was understood that by the framers that the federal government, here's your third reason and fourth reason for the creation of the Constitution, would have to ensure domestic tranquility and promote the general welfare. Federal government was expected to ensure there was tranquility between the states by acting as a mediator in disputes. Part of that task by the federal government was also to promote the general welfare of the republic. In other words, the federal government was asked it with was tasked with making sure the squabbles were properly resolved while also protecting the union so that the welfare of the union would not be in jeopardy. The term general welfare, as it is presented in the preamble, uh, has its capitalizations in a curious manner. The word welfare is capitalized. The word general is not. Capitalization of, in the Constitution was for the, for the purpose of emphasis. It was handwritten. It was the italics. With that tendency as our guide, we recognize that welfare was the key component in those two words presented in the preamble. The Founding Fathers were seeking welfare with a capital W. Founders tasked the federal government with the duty of ensuring there was welfare in the nation. Welfare... Uh, welfare means all's well. So it's an atmosphere of all's well. What kind of atmosphere of all's well? Well, general sense, in a general sense, general welfare. Now, tucked between ensure domestic tranquility and promote general welfare is the phrase provide for the common defense. There's another reason for the creation of the Constitution. The placement of this phrase in the preamble reveals that providing for the common defense was almost as important as ensuring peaceful cooperation between the states and slightly more important than the than promoting the general welfare of the republic and a necessary part of ensuring general welfare. The need to provide for the common defense, one may note, was not listed first in the preamble as one of the reasons for the creation of federal government. The founding fathers recognized the importance of military force, but it also recognized that if you have a system that's completely dependent on a military force or puts it at the very forefront, well, it could become a military state dependent on that military. Despite the fear of a powerful military that could be used against the people and the states, providing for the common defense was still indeed one of the primary reasons for creating the federal government in the first place. Remember the, remember the Shays Rebellion? Remember those uh, you know merchants putting together a mercenary force, the government unable to do so? That is why provides for the common defense is listed in the Constitution and the preamble within the central depths of the body of the paragraph. The final reason for the writing of the Constitution is to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. The presence of the word blessings reminds us that the founding fathers great that, that, that the founding fathers gratefully recognize 
God as as a result of the American Revolution and, inspir- and that he was the inspiration for the new federal government and it could only have come from the favors of divine providence. Liberty, remember, is one of the unalienable rights listed in the Declaration of Independence, given to us by our Creator. In fact, one of the foundational beliefs of the original intent behind the creation of the federal government is that government can't take our rights away from us. Our rights are given to us by God. Now, the idea of natural law or, or, or rights being uh, naturally given to us by God uh, was penned by John Locke during the 1600s, and in the Declaration of Independence is referred to the laws of nature and of nature's God. Natural law is the unchanging moral principles regarding, regarded as a basis for all human conduct, which is observable law we participate in as related to our natural existence. So, so the... the uh, Preamble's primary reason was in order for a more perfect union. Uh, however, the very formation of that union and devising a governmental system uh, to protect, preserve, and, and promote the union was not exclusively for the sake of the union either. The ultimate desire was to protect the sovereignty of each component of that union, the states. The framers understood that by creating the federal government, the potential for the governmental system to become a tyranny was unleashed. Therefore, in order to protect the rights, liberty, and property of the people, more specifically, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, and, the, and ourselves, lowercase, posterity, uppercase, yes, for themselves, but especially for those not born yet, it had to be limited by the authorities and the rule of law. And that is the preamble. When we come back next week, we'll start getting into what is legally binding, Article 1, Section 1. We'll talk about legislative powers. Join us next week right here on Constitution Study Radio. If you want to learn more about me, go to douglasvgibbs.com. Read where I write, politicalpistachio.com. Listen to my AM radio shows every Saturday, 8 a.m. and at 1 p.m. on KMET 1490 a.m. You can go to KMET 1490am.com. Go to the Saturday link, and then at 8 o'clock, Conservative Voice Radio, 1 o'clock, Constitution Radio with Douglas V. Gibbs. And I also are, am on another blog talk radio show, 11 o'clock every Saturday, called American Daily Review, blogtalkradio.com slash American Daily Review. And don't forget my three books. I want you to buy them. The Basic Constitution, 25 Myths of the Constitution, and Silenced Screams. Go to politicalpistachio.com or douglasvgibbs.com. At Political Pistachio, the three books are right there near the top of the page. You can... Hit the, hit the pictures of the books to go straight to the links, or you can go to douglasvgibbs.com and hit the books tab in the link bar. We will see you next week. Thank you again for spending time with me here on Constitution Study Radio. I am Douglas V. Gibbs, America's Constitution Authority. God bless America, my friends. God bless you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>